from the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. All right, let's get right to it, everybody. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, presented by Silverback Advertising. Yes, old school relationships, new school technology. Full-service automotive agency helping to drive metrics that matter to you most like clicks, calls, form fills, credit apps, foot traffic. To learn more, go to silverbackadvertising.com. Thank you to Jim McCarthy from Jim McCarthy Voiceovers for recording that cool intro. Remember back in the day, we all had like, uh, we were all so excited about the future, right? We were all so excited. We thought we'd have flying cars and Macaulay Culkin would be president. Something crazy would be going on, right? The future. Had so much promise. Remember back in the day, uh, I think it was Conan. Yeah, wait, let me get it. Yeah, Conan and Andy Richter had a uh, had a uh, feature on his show called "In the Year 2000." It was this was in his show in the 90s when it was on NBC. Maybe it was late after midnight. NBC maybe, and the feature was like in the year 2000. How cool! What's going to happen in the year 2000? Oh, actually, here here's the intro. You remember this? You remember this, right? This was funny. And of course, they were joking around, making fun of silly things that would be happening in the year 2000. And we all thought we'd have flying cars like the Jetsons. And we don't really have flying cars. We don't really bear. We barely have all electric cars yet. But the question is, is it's already way past the year 2000. But what about 10 years from now? What's going to be what's it going to be like in 2030 in the year 2030 in the year 2030. What's it going to be like in the car business? Not in the world. God knows what's going to be happening in the world, but in the car business, what's it going to be like in 2030? And that's just a subject that was written about in dealer marketing magazine. And I bring on to the program now, Dennis Eflin, associate partner at IBM and digital transformation expert for automotive at IBM and contributor to Dealer Marketing Magazine, Dennis Eflin on the podcast. Hi, Dennis. How you doing? Hey, Matt. Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks. Do you remember? Uh, still waiting for. I'm still waiting for my flying car from my comic book order about 40 years ago. Yeah, I know. What the heck? Do you remember in the year 2000 <laughs> on on Conan? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I do. I just thought that was so funny. I was yeah. too, I was too young to get most of the jokes, but I always thought it was so funny. <laughs> well, and scary that if you go back and watch some of those and read some older books like 1984, some of those things are true. That is a good point. Uh, okay, so uh, in your article in Dealer Marketing Magazine, you made it, we'll start with this. You, I, I don't know if this is a real word or if you made up this word or not. I'm not sure. Is fidgetal, is that a thing or is that, a, is that like a Dennis Eflin thing? Well, it's a Dennis Eflin thing and a consultancy's word, so one and the same, I guess. Um, no, it is a, a buzzword these days. Um, you know, the idea of obviously integrating physical experiences and, and online or digital access or experiences to become digital. Um, you know, we have done things like order e-commerce online or go to a store and buy a product how do those two worlds combine to create the ultimate experience 
at somebody's personal choosing. Want to do part online, part physical. So that is digital. Do you think right now there's a disconnect in terms of how, in the car business specifically, how they interact with us dealers online and then they show up at the dealership? Is the experience right now connected and do we need to, or will that be connected in 10 years and 2030? So the answer to the last part of the question is I think it has to be connected in 10 years um, yeah. in order to be sustainable for the retail model. Um, the, the issue now is like a lot of businesses, you know, the, another buzzword you said in my title, digital transformation. Mm-hmm. A lot of businesses think if I just put a process online, I've become digitally transformed uh, when in effect all we've done is take a, taken a cumbersome workflow or process and put it online and they can send the consumer or an employee through the same, you know, cumbersome dissatisfying process. Yeah. So I think it, the retail process is still, even with online is still too sequential, too cumbersome, too data and, and unintelligent um, on the, on the, buyer on the consumer um you know they need to be more informed have more personal choice be more omni-channel connected and and be more digital um you know if i bounce between a dealer and online back and forth can you follow me on that journey so there's work to be done to make it connected for sure do you think that the way the current model, uh, okay, I have a lease, uh, my car, you know, like right now I got a Murano, my lease is up in a year and my choices are I either buy, well, I guess there's three choices. I either buy my Murano that I've been driving. I either lease a new one or I lease or buy a car from another manufacturer. Those are my options right now. In 2030, is the population going to want different options, more choices, or do we need to evolve from the current model of you can buy a car, you can lease a car, you can buy out your car. Thank you very much. Yes. Again, yes. The answer is yes. Um, you know, the, the where, what, and how of retail, of automotive retail will have to change and is changing. Um, it's just been accelerated with the pandemic, yeah. but it uh, will have to change in the next 10 years. So we, we talked a little bit about the where. I mean, the, the idea of online and physical becoming more connected, more personal, more omni-channel. Um, the what, you know, the, how I buy and the, what I buy will change. Um, will I buy access to a car, a subscription or membership to a brand? Um, will I buy miles? Um, not like a traditional lease per se, but will I buy more pay by the mile, um, pay by the use? Um, so I think those models will have to start to evolve because the rest of the world is a on demand economy. Um, the Airbnbs of the world, the Ubers of the world, um, anything for swipes I can get from here to Hawaii, book a hotel, get a car, have music playing. That is my file in the condo that I rent. I mean, all these yeah. things are accessible. So it'll have to change your options today in five years. Would you be able to turn in your lease early and buy into a fleet of vehicles that you could access on a weekly, monthly basis? Would you be able to share your vehicle with a pool or a pod of people in sort of a, you know, P2P peer to peer type platform? Yeah. Um, still orchestrated, I believe, by a retail retailer. Um, you know, to me, the retail becomes a customer experience, becomes a outpost for experience, for access, and for service. You know, I think with from a dealer standpoint too. Like, if you look at 
Um, like as an example, I think it's, I think it's called zip zip car in New York city. Um, you right, know, I used right. to have, I used to have a sales rep from a radio station. Hey, the dog's barking. What kind of dog you got there? Yeah. Big white boxer. So he's, you know, we're safe from the FedEx guy, not breaking in the house. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Um, and I used to have a sales rep from radio come visit me at my, one of my Nissan stores and she didn't have a car. She lived in Manhattan, worked in Manhattan. So she would grab a zip car and drive up to the city or drive up from the city, do her meeting with us, go visit a family member in a nearby town and then go back to the city and, you know, return her zip car. However you do that process. And my, 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 my boss and I at the dealership always thought like, that's interesting. Like, obviously she lives in the city. She's got no need to have a car. The, par- the cost of parking the car would cost more than the car living in, in Manhattan um, and not traveling outside of the city much. But the zip car service is like, oh, wow, what a cool business idea. But, you know, does a dealership need to have that kind of service? Like, why is there a de- like we're the auto people. Why aren't we offering that type of service? Right. Exactly. I, I completely agree. In fact, I'd say we're not the auto people. We'll have to think of ourselves as the mobility people, meaning, you know, somebody needs a car for half a day. Where should they go? Well, Hertz and others may go bankrupt. Who takes on some of that business? Why would a zip car offer brands that they care nothing about where a dealer who has a relationship with a brand could offer the same type of service or platform? I mean, the number one or two expense of a dealership is sitting on the lot doing nothing in inventory. Why not have a business model that can leverage that in a more accessible revenue generating way? And I'm not putting all of that on the dealer, the OEM and captives and banks would actually, you know, have to support this model, but I do believe it will evolve. You know, I used to think, uh, you know, I, I've thought about subscription services before. Obviously, some OEMs have tried it out and, st- you know, stopped doing it. Some are still doing it. I, you know, I haven't, you know, we thought about it on a, I try to think about it on a tier three level in terms of like, was this something that we could do at the tier three level? What would it cost us? What would, you know, would we make money on it? What would the infrastructure look like? And we weren't at the spot where we were going to be like, we weren't deciding if we should do it or not, but we were at least thinking about it. Like, is this something we should be thinking about in the future? Um, And I think it's something that we do need to be thinking about in the future. We didn't figure it out. We didn't figure out, is it something that we can, you know, handle internally, do we need to you know, hire a company that can do this for us? Are we going to make money doing it? Like, you know, we, but I think the first step is recognizing, geez, we better figure out some more ways to keep customers or generate revenue than just the way we're doing it right now. But you said something interesting. How much of that is on the tier, tier three dealer and how much of that is going to come from the OEM, do you think? I think it'll have to be both, um, yeah. you know, dealers to me will have to begin to change and get closer, even closer to the consumer and, and start to think of themselves more as a customer mobility platform or network. Again, kind of a experience and access center as opposed to just a dealer of transactions. Uh, but the OEM will have to support, you know, things like residual values and financing and, you know, carrying costs and those things because their model will have to change right with the dealers to align. Um, And there have been a few OEMs, as you mentioned, a few mega dealers take a run at subscription, but I think it it was kind of put together in a very constraining, um, typical way in that it was really just a fancy kind of lease. Um, 
Right. You know, and the average house, the average household today spends 10% of the household income on subscriptions, whether those be streaming media, internet services, gym memberships, etc. You know, something, and I don't want to get caught on the term of subscription, but right. a membership, a little more flexible pay as you go kind of model. Um, you know, what people are afraid of always, but even more so today, right now with this pandemic and where we are is, you know, locking into a financial situation for the next five years. Um, how do we allow more flexibility? And I think there's simple steps to take towards the idea of an on-demand model. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by Silverback Advertising and Think Ad Group. It's all about your data, your data, right? Dealership data. Are you doing a great job of following up with your current customers or your unsold prospects? I know everyone says they are, but the question is, are you really? Think about it. Think Ad Group does it for you and you know it's getting done, right? You're not relying on assuming it's getting done. You're paying Think Ad Group. You know it's getting done. They've got several effective tactics for communicating with your database, people you can convert into sales efficiently and quickly, right? I promise you, you're probably not teaching. You're probably not reaching out uh, to those people in the most optimal way possible with the most efficient cadence. Think about Think Ad Group. Talk to the guys. They'll help you sell cars. They'll help you work your database and it won't break the bank. Trust me, I work with these guys, right? I know the guys at Think Ad Group. They know what they're doing. Check them out online at thinkadgroup.com. On the podcast right now, talking with Dennis Eflin, associate partner at IBM, digital transformation expert for automotive at IBM. Let's talk about electric cars, all right? There's a lot of electric cars out there. The technology is, it's not new. Manufacturers have been working on it for a long time. But I feel like it's still pretty fringe, right? What do you, how do you think the public ad, adapts to electric cars in the next 10 years? So I think a lot of new models coming out, the Teslas of the world, are obviously pushing the, the product. You know, I, I'm used to the roar of an engine or yeah. I'm not used to what it means in terms of servicing. So I think the product uh, hurdle we'll, we'll, we will get over. Um, the idea that, you know, I have to find charging stations or I have to figure out how far I can go on a charge of a battery. Um, that infrastructure is starting to move along and come along and be more supportive where I can charge it at, you know, municipalities and, and different um, parking centers downtown or office buildings, um, as well as dealerships who are getting in the business of, you know, becoming a electrification outlet where, you know, as a consumer, I put the business model together with my retailer and realize, wow, I can sell surplus uh, electricity back to the power company. And this becomes a profit center for me. So the business model, the processes, the infrastructure, I think are all ramping up quickly. And, you know, I, I a year ago would have told you, you know, in 2030, do we have 20% penetration in the market of electric vehicles? Probably not. You know, yeah. today, I, I would say we do. You know, like, I think a lot of it, too, depends on, you know, the public's perception of it is based on where they live, right? Like, I'm in very rural Connecticut. Um, you know, right. there, you know, there's a charging station in the center of town, I think, near Town Hall, which is about, you know, 10 minutes from me. Um, you know, and then, in, you know, I'm a half hour from, like, the you know, closest major mall is a half hour away and they've got, you know, 8,000 Tesla charging stations all lined up there at the mall. 
and I could get a, I, right. could, I could get a level two charger in my garage, you know, fairly uh, affordably if I was to buy an electric car. But in my neck of the woods, you think about a lot of back road driving, you know, a lot of rural driving, and you have that range anxiety, which I've had before, you know, having driven uh, a, the Nissan electric vehicle a lot during my time at uh, Nissan Group. Um, but I think as, like you said, that infrastructure grows, people become accustomed to be like, what are those things over there? Oh, those are charging stations. Right. And they see them at train stations, see them at malls, see them at town halls, start to see them in places. The idea becomes more um, realistic to somebody who, you know, probably maybe never even thought about it in the past. Right. Right. And, you know, again, I, I have the same perception of, I, you know, 10, 15 years ago, an electric car meant, you know, some little basically suited up scooter with a set of armor around it. That was a little mini car yeah, right. that could go 400 miles. But, yeah. you know, today, today we have sports cars, luxury cars, you know, we're coming now with pickups, the Fords of the world and startups like Rivian and uh, Lordstown Motors and others that are bringing out, you know, SUVs and, and big, uh, pickups and, um, Hummers. Um, yeah. so GM, you know, the pro right. the product selection, yeah, the product selection will be greater. Um, and, and, you know, we can identify, you know, what are the needs of those people and how do we create the right access and business model so that, you know, we can have them have the vehicle or access to the vehicle when they need it. You know, maybe I don't need an electric car hundred percent of my commuting, but I do like it for those trips to the mall and back. So yeah. how do we make that model work? The infrastructure is coming. You know, it, it's a, obviously other, out, other pressures of, of economic global, you know, um, climate are all pushing on it. So it's coming, you know, we have to figure out how to handle the consumer and handle that experience a bit differently and the business model a bit differently for the consumer. But, you know, we need to figure out how to adapt to that and not, push it back away because it's not coming. You're talking about the, uh, you know, the, the uh, maybe the car guy, the guy who likes the, the rumble of the engine, uh, you know, maybe being, sure. a, maybe being a negative for electric cars. Uh, my brother-in-law is like a big Mustang guy, right? He's got a couple Mustangs. He goes to Mustang shows. He's all Mustang, Mustang this, Mustang that. So he likes the growl of the car. And he was looking at the, uh, whatever the electric Mustang is called, um, a couple, uh, like a week ago at a dealer. And uh, he was saying that they, I guess they have different like packages where it can m mimic those sounds, I guess. Is that, have you heard of that before? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they have tuned basically a, yeah, just, just like today, if you're watching a sporting event, you have fake fan noise yeah, um, right. in the same, in the same vein, they have the engine sound that will, you know, as you take off from the line, will match the speed and RPM that would normally be going in a more, you know, uh, powertrain mechanical type engine. Um, so yeah, they have recorded those sounds and they are packages available for those who, you know, do want them. Right. Um, and, but, but, you know, again, I, I think it, it, I've driven enough electric cars where the first time it is very odd, but um, you, you do get used to it and I actually kind of enjoy the quiet sometimes at yeah. least personally for me. I love those. I love the fake sound effects at the NFL games where the, where like with a third down, they turn the volume up to so the other team has, you know, and the, and the guy's like, Oh, the crowd didn't like that one. I love when the announcers reference that. I always think that's so funny. Right. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a cut out of Snoopy looking back at you. Yeah. From TV. <laughs> I know the card, the cardboard cutouts. I think, I can't remember which team it was, but I think it was somebody who had like the whole Family Guy cast as their, uh, you know, in the in the crowd <laughs> as their cardboard cutouts. The teams have gotten very creative yeah. about that. Hopefully, in 2030, in sports, there's people in the stands. That would be nice. That would be nice. Before I let you go, what else? Is there anything else that you think we need to be thinking about that is, you know, that is, that is in your brain for the auto industry in 2030? Um, you know, I mean, just two things I would say, and, and, you know, you and I have talked a little bit in the past and, you know, I'm not here to, to say that dealers are by any stretch going out of business or they right. have to sit and wait for the OEM to make great change. Um, I believe, you know, the future retailer, and I do want to call them retailers, not dealers, um, you know, has a very prominent place in this, you know, world of digital and in this world of even electrification and, you know, selling more, as you said, other outside access to revenue, whether those be digital services or different types of mobility services and packages available to mobile delivery, mobile service, you know, fleet and subscription access, et cetera. Um, but I encourage dealers to, to start thinking about what do consumers need and want and what happens in other businesses. Um, you know, at IBM and I personally, we have a saying that is you know, the last best experience that you had in any industry becomes the standard and expectation of your next experience. So, you know, we, we garner and execute a lot of great experiences in you know, our delivery business or grocery shopping that is now delivered or, you know, the Amazons, the Ubers, the Airbnb or travel or CPG industry, whatever it is, retailing, um, we find great experiences. We need to find and bring those into automotive. And I encourage all retailers to not wait for an OEM. You know, there are things they can do to make sure that customer experiences are getting more fulfilled. So there's a personal connection. Because the customers will dictate where the industry goes, not the product, is what I believe. So how do dealers and retailers become the platform that is more connected, more engaged to the customer? Follow the customer, you'll follow the money. So, you know, I, I think dealers need to just understand you had a commercial for data, understanding data and insights about their customers and about market trends and conditions and, you know, things they can do. So I would just encourage retailers to make sure they're, doing everything they can to engage properly with their customers after the transaction, before the transaction, during their entire journey. So that will dictate, you know, I have a, I have a promise of where things will go, but it will be, you know, ultimately I need to follow those consumers by staying connected to them. I like that. What was that? The last experience. What was the, what was the, the saying at IBM? The, the last best experience we have in any industry becomes the standard or expectation for us going forward. I like that. You have a great experience somewhere and then you in a certain industry, then every other experience in that industry or that what the type of business is measured against that one experience. Exactly. Exactly. And then during the pandemic, I had prescriptions, groceries. I had my oil changed when someone picked up my car and took it back. I couldn't get my car serviced seems to be a problem in our, our industry. <laughs> yeah. Huh. It's funny. I was just talking to somebody yesterday. We were talking about, uh, I always use this example all the time and it makes me seem like a, a degenerate, but it's just a convenience thing is I found out one of the liquor stores in my town delivers 
And then I thought to myself, <laughs> why would I ever go in the liquor store again? You go on the website. Yeah, Saturday morning, I went on the website at nine in the morning, ordered a bunch of stuff. And at two o'clock, a dude showed up and knocked on the door and put it on my, on my porch. And I'm like, that is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And even great experience on your new table stakes. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, what's happening too is grocery stores in my neck of the woods are adapting, right? Stop and shop always had, um, uh, um, Peapot where you can order online, you know, and then, you know, a couple days later they bring your groceries in a truck. Well, what happened when the pandemic went bananas at the end of March, early April, Peapod was booked out and you couldn't get your groceries anymore. So they created, or I don't know if it was already existing in other parts of the country, but here they started shopping, uh, click and shop or click and shop, click and pick up. I don't even know what it's called, but same idea. You buy your groceries online, you give a window and then you show up at the store, you call the store and say, oh, I'm outside in parking spot four and they bring you your groceries and stick them right in your car for you. I'm like, why would I spend an hour walking up and down all the aisles in the grocery store if I can do it on my couch and then make a 15 minute stop in the parking lot? Like to me, that's going to be the main way that I buy groceries from now on. Unless I want to get exactly. away, unless I want to exactly. get away from my kids for an hour and I want the peace and quiet, in which case I just <laughs> shop at the store. Anything's possible. Right. Right. But uh, well, I'm that grocery example real quick. Sorry. I'm that yeah. grocery example real quick. And, and they will even, so if you tell them I want Tide washing detergent, they will text you back and say, Hey, we don't have Tide, but we do have this brand or that brand. Do you want me to substitute? They will text or chat with you live. You know, many of these companies yes. or many of these platforms. And, and that is an experience. Um, you know, yep. again, I bring it back to automotive or servicing, you know, when, when's my car going to be ready? Well, we don't know. We'll call you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying, I'm not trying to denigrate all dealers. I mean, there are wonderful dealers, but our, our processes are a bit broken. Our connectivity is not omnichannel and personalized. And we do need to get it to whatever other industry experiences dictate. Yes. Agree. Good stuff, Dennis. Dennis Eflin, associate partner at IBM, digital transformation expert for automotive at IBM and contributor, contributing expert to Dealer Marketing Magazine. Good topic. Uh, I really appreciate it. Great article. And uh, let's do this again soon for sure. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Matt. Thanks so much. All great points. I like it. I like it. It's like a, what's the word? Prognosticator? Is that it? Prognosticator? Yeah, I always thought that was so funny. Multi Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson presented by Silverback Advertising, old school relationships, new school technology. We're a full service automotive agency helping you to drive metrics, results. What's important? Customers, clicks, calls, form fills, credit apps, footfall traffic, tactics that give you results and attribution. Go to silverbackadvertising.com to learn more. Silverbackadvertising.com. Thanks for checking it out. Happy holidays. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by... Wait, this guy has sponsors? Yeah, I do. Oh, never mind. This sheet of paper's blank. No sponsors. No, I have That makes more sense. For updates, info, future episodes, and more, follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and connect on Frackle. You guys made that last one up. That's not even a thing, Frackle. Come on. I totally made it up. You got me. <laughs>